Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. Well, we are in week two of our Beatitudes series called This and That. Um, so if you want to turn to Matthew 5, we'll be there in just a second. Um, and, and the premise of this series is Jesus says, when you are this, my God will do that in your life. And so we're just taking each one of the eight Beatitudes that he gives us uh, in, the, in the best sermon in the history of sermons, which is Sermon on the Mount, and we're just peeling it apart uh, and taking them individually. If you hear any sloshing up here, it's because my right foot is filled with water. Um, never preached. Uh, basically, it feels like duck boots gone wrong. Um, but here we are anyway. So at least I got my arms uh, dried off there. But I want to kick us off uh, reading, uh, going back to the uh, verse 1 before we get into what is verse 4 today uh, as we talk about what it means to mourn and the big idea of being comforted. So it says that one day, this is after Jesus had been tempted in the desert and then went and called his disciples to follow him. And then he saw he was just doing miracles. It says at one point, everyone who came to him was healed. And they just, he just amasses this crowd of both uh, Jews and Gentiles uh, following him. And it says one day in verse 1 of chapter 5, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up to the mountainside, sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. Verse 3 says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We talked about that last week. And then in verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And again, our big idea today is to be comforted and, and what all that means. And really, we're going to peel it apart a little bit here. Mourn has basically kind of two aspects to it in our life as followers of Jesus, as those who are, like we talked about last week, mirror images of Jesus on planet Earth. That People don't get to see Jesus in person anymore for, until he returns. I mean, I know there's some stories here and there that are fantastic stories, but but as far as seeing Jesus in person, who do they see when they see a Christian? They're supposed to see Jesus in person. We're mirror images, and this is part of being like him and following him. So when Jesus teaches here, he says that the God promises, Luke says, great rewards. Uh, he promises a special blessing. He promises heavenly joy. Part of this is that we are blessed by one who is blessed by us as we live this way. So God says, when you are poor in spirit, when you're a peacemaker, when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, he gets happy. And then as a part of his overflowing happiness and joy, he provides blessings and happiness and joy for us. So it's, it's a really cool thing because the Beatitudes are Jesus saying, you doing this makes him happy as well, and then he pours out things that make your life happy and, and blessed, and they reward, and we'll see why, because it sounds like mourn doesn't sound too much like a happy thing here, but we're going we're gonna to pull that apart. So as we live this out, God promises certain things to us. He says, when you are this, I promise that. When you mourn over your sin, when you mourn over this broken world around you, I will comfort you in different ways. Sometimes just give you a comfort. It's a, it's a world gone wrong out there in a lot of ways, right? It's crazy. I mean, even yesterday, we're, 
Our boys come in and there's a, there's a dollar bill on the ground and they know not to touch it because we know this world is evil. Because you don't know what people might be putting on those things, right? We have crazy stories. So it's a world gone wrong. And so we're called to mourn in certain ways for it. But we carry the answer for a world gone wrong so we can get excited about that. And we can see them with compassionate eyes while at the same time mourning and grieving over our own sin issues that we deal with. We want to come to this place today where we trust God's loving heart because it is just incomparable to have the God of all creation on our sides. And, and he is such a sweet, loving Savior. And here's the thing. When we read the Beatitudes specifically, these eight things Jesus gives us, it wasn't that he came here and said, I'm looking for the people that fulfill all eight of these. Because he's not looking for those people because he has to help us to get there. It's, and, and it's also not like, hey, I'm looking to give you mourn. Uh, I'll give Vinton mourning. You know, he's a happy guy. He's a little mourn in his life. I, I'm going to give Mark the peacemaker. I'm going to give, you know, Pastor Jeremy the hunger and thirst after righteousness. He's not doling out the eight. He's saying these eight are things that the Holy Spirit will fashion into you, will, will mold you and shape you into will help you to, to get to the place where it just naturally comes from you. That's what Jesus came here. And so when he, when he began teaching this, it was so radical at the time. And people were saying things like, we've never heard this kind of teaching before. Because they hadn't. They had heard rules and regulations, following orders, following the things God gave, which was good. And then adding to the, uh, there are 600 plus laws that God gave in the Old Testament the religious leaders added 700 plus more because God didn't get it right. I don't know what their thinking was, but, but that's what they were living with, like 15, 1,600 laws to fulfill as a religious follower. And then there's the world, and they're just like, hey, whatevs. You know, you just do whatever you want and just hope you don't die. And Jesus has come along, and he's saying, this represents the kingdom of God. This represents me. This ushers in the kingdom of heaven in a broken world around us. It's, it's an interesting, interesting thing to, to peel apart that blessed part, or blessed, however you want to say it. If you're a little more King Jamesy, I guess you can say blessed. But it, it, what it is is it's, it's us looking beyond the temporary. We do live on planet Earth, so it's not like we can, we don't, we don't pretend this doesn't exist we live on planet Earth. We live in this time. It's 2023. We, we, we've got, you know, central Texas around us and the world all around that. But, but at the same time, we're looking for the eternal because we are not citizens here. We are here on assignment. You get saved. You're given a mission by Jesus to take the gospel to everyone around you. So our blessed, our blessed, our great rewards are 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 beyond what we can get here on planet Earth. So the first one we looked at last week was poor in spirit. This, 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 this lifestyle of being humble before the Lord, going, I can't do this without Him. He is the only way that, that I can do anything purposeful in life. That's the only way I can discover my purpose in the joy of Jesus is to be humble before Him. And then as we realize that that when I live humble before him, he just gives me the kingdom of heaven as my reward. Then I step into this one where it says, mourn. Mourn over your sin. Mourn over a broken world. 
when we mourn over our own sin, when we mourn over the brokenness of the world, instead of, instead of pointing fingers at the world, and instead of justifying our own sin, which I know none of y'all justify your own sins. It's all the other people that aren't here, right? Uh, no, we justify all the time. I was the, I was the sheriff this week. Sometimes I'm the principal during camp. This week I was the sheriff because uh, it was a Western theme. And most of the time when they came in, they were not happy. Uh, they had done no wrong. All the grown-ups were against them. And they were going to plead their case as to why humanity was wrong. And they were right. And my first thing was, hey, I'm not mad at you. But the quicker you can own it, the quicker we get out of here. And most of them figure that out pretty quick. And there was one who fought me for about an hour and a half. And then at the end, he's like, that's all I had to do was own it. And I'm like, yeah, I told you 75 times. But, you know, we're here now. And he never came back. So that was a good thing. But we as human beings, we justify our actions. And God's saying, instead of justifying your sin issues and your struggles, just own them and, and be broken over them. And I will comfort you in that he promises that he will comfort us when we mourn over sin or a broken world. So I started thinking this week, could it be that those who are the most happiest, those, is that, no, that's bad. It's summertime, I can say most happiest. So those who are the happiest, those who are the most joyful, maybe they're the ones that took ownership of their sin issues. Those who are, are living a truly blessed life in Jesus and not pointing fingers at a broken world or, or blaming others for their own sin. Maybe those who are just owning it and are fully, full of joy. They're broken before God over their sin. They've received freedom. They're walking in wholeness. They're loving a broken world around Him. Maybe those are the ones who have learned how to mourn. And those who refuse to grieve and mourn, who refuse to feel the weight of their sin issues, who seem to, to be pointing the finger, they seem to be the Christians who live defeated so often, who live, I don't know, not very joyful, not very happy about the reality that their sins were paid for and they have an eternity in heaven, but they're still just sour-faced, angry, I loved it. Jessup would, would join us every once in a while. He did like 75 things here, but every once in a while he'd come in and, and help us with the, if we had like an overflow of, of visitors to the, uh, to the principal's office. And he would always start with the one thing. You should be happy because the big thing is already taken care of. Jesus died and you're saved forever. You just got to be happy about it. And someone would be like, hmm. And that was like, that was like, oh, you just lit a fire under Jessup. And he would just lovingly take that child through the reality of what Jesus did on the cross and that we should live full of joy. But those who aren't living full of joy and call themselves believers, I don't think they've learned how to live out the Beatitudes in their life. And here's why it's such a big deal in these days to, to mourn, to grieve, to feel this. The world around us and the religion within our churches or within Christianity, they want to find ways to cope and not feel. They want, to, they want to find ways to get through stuff and not deal with it, to, I don't know, medicate, meditate, or, or even mediate around what's going on instead of walking through it. We're made as emotional beings. He gave us a soul to feel things and to make decisions. And he never said, hey, when you're saved, make sure you never feel anything bad again. 
He did not say that. He said the opposite, mourn. Because when you do, you're being real and vulnerable. You're letting me be your God. And then when you're real and you're vulnerable and you feel the weight of things, I'll comfort you. And the opposite's probably true. If you refuse, or if you point the finger at a broken world, or if you say, ha, go to hell in a handbasket. He's saying, I, I cannot comfort you because you are not acting like me. And so I can't give you that blessing I long to give you. I think anger and anxiety, which seem to be at a high in our nation over the past three years, uh, in a way I've never known it before, I think they're natural and terrible responses to not grieving through the pain or that sin or the brokenness around us. So we get angry about it or we get anxious about it. Jesus says, be vulnerable and feel it. Mourn now and I will comfort you in that time, in that moment, because you choose to. Don't fake it. Don't Christianese it up. If you've been in church long enough, you know all the Christianese words. I was raised in church my whole life, as far back as my memory goes. I spent a good portion of my life uh, in, in my older teen years and into my young 20s saying all the right things that I knew people should hear from me as a Christian, as a churchgoer. I knew Christianese better than most, and I was a fraud. And I was broken, and I was angry, and I was anxious. And then my life came tumbling down, and when I looked up and came to my senses, like the prodigal son story when he's in the pig pen, and he can't even fight the, he can't beat the pigs for the, for the slop, he looks up, he comes to his senses, and he goes, there's a better way. And when I finally said there's a better way, God said, I can work with that. I can work with that. So don't fake it. Don't. Don't try to hide or pretend or, or isolate yourself from something painful that you need to walk through, whether it's sin or a broken world around you. Because when I try to hide or isolate, the further I actually get from Jesus, it becomes actually my worship focus, my hiding, my protecting of me, my, my not dealing with it becomes what I worship. And I'm sure some of you, I know I struggled. I was great at building walls in a millisecond. I could put them up and I would be on guard and nobody was going to break through or get in. And I would hide back there and that was my full focus. Let no one in. Let no one in. Let no one in. Don't feel this. Don't deal with this. Don't be vulnerable. That was my worship instead of Jesus. When stopping pain or sadness at any cost is your aim, is your pursuit, that's your idol, not Jesus. In Luke chapter 18, it tells us this, Jesus tells us this story of, of uh, two people praying. It's a famous passage. You've probably heard it before if you've been in church any period of time. It's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and he says this, verse 9. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. I ain't going to own it, but I am going to point a finger. That's who he's talking to. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee 
and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. Woo, I'm amazing. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. He was poor in spirit. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow or mourning, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me. From a sinner, I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Conviction, feeling the weight of that sin issue is wonderful. Don't believe the lie that conviction is a bad thing. It's not God saying, shame on you. Conviction is, is life-bringing. It's, it's hope-filled. It's a better life. It's healing. It's freedom. It's wholeness. It's restored relationships. You have broken relationships with someone? Walk in humility. Ask them to forgive you. Aim for reconciliation and see what God does because he can work with that. But he cannot work with, nope, they did it, so I'm going to. Jesus basically says in this beatitude, blessed are you when you mourn over your sin. You make me happy and I will bless you because of it. I will comfort you. Whatever you need, I will give it to you. And he always gives in abundance just, just who he is. That mourning over your sin, over those struggles that, that leads us to being comforted by God. It opens up, it, it keeps open your heart to a broken world around you. We don't get saved to insulate and isolate ourselves from a lost world. We are saved and left here for a mission. We are taking the gospel of Jesus to broken and lost people who outside of finding Jesus will spend eternity without him in a place that was made only for the demons and the devil himself. So our mission here, as we stay here, is to grieve over our own sins so we can walk in freedom and then grieve over their brokenness so with compassionate eyes and hearts we can love them where they are. You feel for lost and hurting people when you mourn. You even have compassion for the hurtful and the awful around us. If you find yourself pointing fingers at people who are being wrong or bad or awful and saying, man, bad, uh, uh, and you're just angry at them, you're not living a mournful life and you're certainly not comforted. He wants us to be broken before him so that we can be the compassionate heart of Jesus to them. That tax collector... He understood his sinful condition. So he asked God for mercy. And thankfully, God doesn't, doesn't save people because of how great they do in life. It's only through his rich mercy. We see the, the, the stories of, of King David. He's so amazing. But, but there's this one story that's, that we see the story play out in, in 2 Samuel 12. And we see his 
poetic response in Psalm 51 when he commits the sin with Bathsheba and then he's broken. We see that David mourns, God comforts. David is broken over his sin issues and they're big. Like I don't think any of us have committed murder, adultery, and then covered it up from an entire nation that we led. That's what he's dealing with, and he's broken before the Lord. David mourns. God comforts. And it is so, so sweet to be able to trust in Jesus. Trust him more. 
Listen to part of David's response as he mourned over that sin. I, I encourage you this week to read Psalm 51. Maybe just read it every day. Whether morning is your time to, to read and meditate or evening is, take Psalm 51 and, and just let it wash over you. But I want to read some of, some of the things he wrote in this. It's a, the entire read is fantastic. He starts off and he says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. And remember, we're talking murder, adultery, and a, a, a nationwide cover-up. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. Hear that mournful heart. It haunts me day and night against you and you, you alone have I sinned. He goes on and says, purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a loyal spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. He's understanding that the way to be comforted is to be in right relationship with God, and then God pours out everything on him. I mean, I think about my own life. Jesus saw and he knew every awful thing I ever did. I was so mean to people. I can't imagine anybody going to the cross for how awful I was to other human beings. And people that I claimed to love, I was awful to them. I was judgmental and critical. I was a gossip. I, I went after people's souls to try to twist. Jesus saw every awful thing I ever did and still that same Jesus chose to die in my place while I was still that person. That's how much he loves us, that he's willing to, while we are still those people, die for us, pay a price so that we can't ever say, I didn't have a shot. He gives us all a shot. And he says, you couldn't pay the price for your own sins, but I lived a perfect life and I can. How can I not live my life now knowing all that he's done for me in spite of myself. How can I not live mournful and grieving over my own sins and, and broken and compassionate towards a, a world that's just lost and they don't know what they don't know? And when I live that way, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, because that's part of his job as he moves into us, the comfort of the Holy Spirit plays out in my life. The God of all comfort comforts me. Whatever I need, whether I'm walking through something physical or emotional or something relational or just in a broken world around us. You have to live this way because this is how Jesus says that Jesus' followers should live. And when we do, and we're those mirror images of Jesus, God says, according to the Beatitudes, Congratulations. When you feel this, 
When you mourn and grieve, congratulations. He says, way to go, my redeemed son. That's my girl. I know you got tears now, but now I can comfort you there. I know you're scratching your head right now looking, but you're not blaming and you're loving on them. I can comfort you there. And here's the thing. Community is key for this beatitude because so often the way Jesus comforts us is through other Christ followers that we do life with to encourage us, to love us, to, to shore us up, to be there for us, to, to be an ear to listen or a heart just to love on us. Community is key. And when we mourn over sin and mourn over a broken world and God comforts us, then he says, according to Paul in the New Testament, I will help you comfort others with the same comfort I've given you. That's in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. He comforts us, and then he says, now i got a job for you. You understand what it's like to be comforted? Now go in comfort. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. We're going to sing an amazing song called The Blessing. And I want you just to let loose and just love. Love on God and let the God of all comfort love on you during this time. For messages and full services, visit hcfburnit.org or the Church Center app and connect with us on social media.